You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. All right. Hey, I want to say special thanks to our volunteers that helped make that happen, and then for the staff that helped put that together. So let's give them a big round of applause again. Yeah, we had, a bu- we had a bunch of folks out, so it was a lot of fun. So tonight, I'm sure if you leave the light on, there'll be lots of kids coming to your house to gather some candy, and uh, so make sure you share and show the love of Jesus Christ by just being a good neighbor and friendly and all that good stuff. So, hey, uh, what I want to do is, uh, before I get started, to tell you kind of where I've been and what's been up. So if I look a little tired today, I am. Uh, last night was homecoming. So I have twins, 16 years old, and so they were out all night long, and uh, all night for us is about 11. So uh, so anyway, we had a great time last night. It was a lot of fun uh, being able to do that. Uh, my kids are at O'Connor, and uh, there's about 1,500 kids gathered for their dance last night, so it was a lot of fun. Um, and I was the chauffeur, so I was the chauffeur in my truck, and so of course, that was really awesome. So I didn't get a lot of sleep, but, uh, and then, you know, my wife and I just got back from a retreat. So we were out on a pastor's retreat uh, this last week, and it was pretty incredible, and uh, there was 20-something different pastors there. Uh, but again, like, I've always struggled with sleep a little bit. So ever since I was a young man, I just, good nights, bad nights, you know, all that good stuff. So do everything from put on the lavender oil to go to bed early, make sure the lights are really, everything's dark and cold, and uh, helps me to sleep. But I asked permission to share this story with my wife. I just thought it was funny um, because if you struggle with sleep, anybody struggle with sleep, just be honest here. There we go. Okay, so this is going to help you. Watch this. So um, what happens in my house is my wife snores a little bit. Anybody snores? Who's a snorers? Okay. Yeah, that impacts your spouse, just FYI. So uh, here we are in this retreat. She's like sleeping like great. I mean, and I'm trying to go to sleep so I can get something out of the next day. And so we're sitting there, and I'm like just sit listening to her snore. I mean, it's like the chainsaw massacre is going on. And uh, she's over there just sawing logs. And so I thought to myself, what? I mean, in years past, like I've grabbed her and I've shooken her a little bit, like, hey, quit snoring, you know. And so I said, I'm not going to do that tonight because I'm on a Christian retreat, so I'm going to act a lot more Christian. So I said, uh, I said I'm going to talk to her snore. And I said, in the middle of the night, I'm, I'm lying there, and I say to her, Leslie? And she's like this. I said, Leslie? She goes. And I said, stop snoring right now. And she goes. And I said, thank you very much. Good night. <laughs> and she quit snoring. So I was like, I was like, I did not know you could talk to snore. So I talked to snore and I got some sleep and I told her, I asked permission to share that story. And uh, what was really funny was, that, you know, next morning I said, I talked to your snore last night. She said, no way. I said, yes, I did. And you, your snore obeyed and talked back, by the way. So uh, this morning, we're doing something totally different uh, than the Gospel of John. I'm going to jump back into that next week. Uh, and so I want to encourage you um, uh, to try today, for those of you that are new, uh, 
this is an opportunity for you to kind of like hear a little bit about what's going on at North Valley. And then also for all of you that have been around for a good while, this is going to be a great message because it's going to be, I'm going to be talking about the topic for today is seven trends in today's churches across the country. And the reason why I decided to do that is I just got done spending time with 20-something pastors from across the country and uh, hearing about kind of how the church is doing post-COVID-19, at least the the beginning, the onset of uh, the big shutdowns and all that stuff. So every church in America has really uh, struggled, as you can imagine, with the different challenges. And today marks a very unique day in church history. It is uh, the Reformation Day, October 31st, 1517. There was a German professor by the name of Martin Luther uh, that nailed the 95 theses uh, to the Wittenberg, I said that in my cool way, Wittenberg door uh, in Germany and uh, to protest against the corruption that was going on in his day and time. And it sparked a catalytic movement called the Protestant Reformation. And so today is Reformation Day. Uh, back on my uh, seminary campus in, in the days of old, when I was down at Dallas, we had so many people, they would dress up like monks walking around the campus. I didn't know what it was. I thought, that is very strange. Is there a new like uh, Amish group on this campus? Who are these people? Uh, but no, they were celebrating uh, Reformation Day. And uh, so today is the marker, I believe, and what a great time for us to think about North Valley and all the churches across the United States and perhaps even the world about a reformation of the church post-COVID-19. So here's what I want to do is, uh, first I want to jump to the passage of scripture, Matthew 16, uh, 13 through 20, and this will be kind of the Uh, springboard into the seven trends of today's churches um, and how God uses men and women to build his church. Look at this, Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, uh, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, You are Peter. On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Um, Jesus had a divine uh, operation in plan in place and going too quick could get him crucified. Going too slow would be against the God the Father's plan and purpose of his divine time uh, for his hour to come. A couple of things I just want to mention in the passage is if you look at Ephesians 2.20, Paul says this about the church. He says that it's built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and Christ himself is our cornerstone. Uh, That is very, very true. Uh, Additionally, and the Apostle Peter said this about Christians, he said, you yourselves are like living stones being built up as a spiritual house. 
So what do we have? What we have is we have churches all across our country. Jesus Christ is and has always been the cornerstone of every good Bible teaching, preaching, Jesus loving, following church. He is the cornerstone. Then today what we have is men and women, they serve as uh, uh, stones that help build the church. So at North Valley, you're giving your serving, your participation, you are actively involved in building something far greater than just you and your time frame. It has eternal impact and it will for generation upon generations. And no matter what happens with politics, no matter what happens with COVID-19, the church will continue to prevail. It will continue to grow. It will continue to excel globally. Uh, Jesus is the king, Jesus is the cornerstone, but you and I have a part to play, and you and I are helping build this church together. Um, seven trends in today's uh, culture, in today's churches, number one, uh, very clearly what we saw was there was just some really unique online opportunities. Uh, when we uh, went through and uh, got the notification that uh, this uh, horrific virus was ripping through our country and our world. Uh, ourselves and many other churches immediately decided to, if they had not already, to go online. We went on, we made a decision. It was about a forty dollars to $50,000 decision uh, in one week to say, we're going to go online. We have never done it before. We're going to figure it out right away. And we gathered a number of volunteers. A lot of our volunteers went overtime. Our staff had to figure out how to do it. And we went online. And we did a great job. You, I get uh, messages all the time. Here's a message I received just recently. Uh, you can tell I, I should have taken better care of it. It's bouncing around in my truck, but I've decided to bring it out today. Uh, it says, Pastor Ryan and staff, we began watching your church services online last year. One of your former pastors uh, call, uh, met me in, in the building where I was, and I uh, kept the contact of the website. Uh, we had a great conversation. He left his business card with me, and I didn't think much of it, but I didn't throw it away. A few weeks passed, and, and my husband and I decided to watch one of your services online. We enjoyed it so much that we've watched it every week since. Um, we, we've moved, since then, we've moved out of state, but we continue to watch the sermons. We just wanted to say thank you for your spiritual guidance. Uh, enclosed is a check. You guys use it for whatever you need. Sincerely, Brian and Lisa. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Uh, churches all around the country... Um, uh, have an opportunity to expand their ministry. And so today, North Valley has more people involved than we've ever had involved online and on campus. Um, uh, we have more people giving to our church than we've ever had before, uh, partially because there was online opportunities. Um, this is unique, uh, and so I love what uh, the passage of Scripture says in Ephesians, um, it says this, let's look at it. Paul wisely said, look carefully then how you walk, not as the unwise, but as the wise, making the best use of the time. Uh, one of the catchphrases I used during this pandemic time, I said, you either, as a business organization or a church or a Christian, you either figure out how to get creative 
are you just going to get crushed? So everybody had to get creative on figuring out how to redo life and redo things. The Apostle Paul tells us that there are basically times, and the word for time in the Greek is kairos. It's not chronos, like chronological. Kairos is the idea that there's a unique events that happen in life, and then you and I are supposed to take those events and go, let's figure out how to leverage this for the glory of God and for the good of, uh, of others. And so this is what is happening. As I talked to the 20-something different pastors around the country, they all said, man, we've improved tremendously on our online opportunities. It's been really, really cool. Um, it is with us. It's a part of our ministry strategy now. It is a hybrid model of the church that is happening all across the country. It's not only brick and mortar, but it's online. And perhaps we were a little behind the time uh, for not getting online with video and audio and all that stuff. We had podcasts, but we never had the video. So this is one of the trends. Here's another trend. Uh, increase in giving. Um, I found this to be very, very interesting. And uh, our story as a church uh, was this, is that uh, immediately when the, uh, when the pandemic hit, uh, we decided as a team that we were going to challenge our church uh, publicly to give online and better yet reoccurring. And I said, the reason why we need to do this is we need to balance a budget and we need a steadiness of uh, tithes and offering in order to make an estimated, sophisticated uh, plan on how the year was going to go. And I asked if you guys would, many of you guys over the years have given uh, in service in one of our giving box or offering plate, and I, we asked, would you please consider giving an online gift or reoccurring would be even better. Had a great uh, church member come up to me and said, Ryan, we have a very large gift we'd like to give, and for, uh, you can use it however you want to use it, but I'd love to see a matching gift happen. And I approached you guys and I said, hey, how about this? For everybody that gives online and reoccurring, that'll better help us run our ministry and our missions so we can plan more sophisticatedly um, we will match that gift. And that's exactly what we did. So what I heard from many other churches, especially those that didn't really challenge their congregation to go online, they struggled tremendously. The churches that I'm run around with and network with, they did a really good job. And here's what else we saw across the country with churches that have strong leadership and staff and volunteers. Here's what we found, that they had, uh, more people were giving. Part of the reason why in a crisis, uh, more Christians were giving. Why? I'll tell you why. Because what happened was our foundation of our structure and our faith was shaken. And so what happened was is people said, no matter what, we're going to give. I uh, talked to uh, my family's church. They were part of a church that I uh, came to faith in Christ in in Little Rock, Arkansas, called Fellowship Bible Church. Um, I said, how's the church doing financially? And they said, it's remarkable. The church is doing great. Um, financially, they're doing great. Everybody's realized we do not want our church to struggle. We're going to give. And so, first of all, let's celebrate all of you who gave in a time that was challenging. Yeah. Uh, this is what uh, the Apostle Paul challenged uh, the wealthy of his day, and this was the same message I challenged you. Uh, he said this in 1 Timothy. He says, they're to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, 
uh, thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. What we saw was we saw an increase in commitment of people saying, we're in. No matter what happens, we're in. And I am so thankful for that. I feel so much stronger, more confident, and assured that no matter what happens in the future of this church, we've got a good congregation. And I think we can handle things even better when another crisis hits of sorts. And so um, here's, a, here's another thing that we saw across the country is that there's a lower attendance. So while giving was up, lower attendance. Um, of course, you would say, because there was a pandemic and you spread the virus by contact with one another and the singing and all that. There have been churches around the country that were shut down. Uh, you probably saw them in the news and the media. And then the churches that said, you know what, we have the right to assemble. Uh, and they did. And I'm glad that they did. Um, I think if I, my regret would be is that we were closed too long. Uh, part of it was just a learning curve for us to understand what are we really dealing with with this virus. Um, the other part was we were really doing major work on the campus, all across the campus, and it really did tie up our parking lots uh, and whatnot. But there's been a lower attendance all across the country. In fact, the average church was ranging in 30 to 50% of their average attendance post-COVID-19, 30 to uh, uh, 50%. So say a church of 100 dropped down to 30. That's a church of... 100 would drop down to 30. That's a small group, you know, a small group at North Valley. We have 30-something people with their kids all involved. And so um, that was a big, big challenge. And many, many pastors were deeply discouraged. A lot of people got isolated and just didn't meet anymore. Um, and it's challenging. And so at this church, what we tried to do during the pandemic to serve everybody, right, uh, what we decided to do is we were going to offer more services, smaller services with options. So we launched and spent a bunch of money to make sure we had an outdoor service. So folks that wanted to stay outside had the option just to stay outside. So that, and that venue still goes on right now. And we're excited about that. We have the online option. If you really want to watch it, you just watch online. Uh, if you really want to be careful, that's probably the safest thing you could do. Um, then we offered a mask required service. People let's say, why'd you do that? Because it's guesswork. If you go to a church and they say mask recommended, well, guess what? If you recommend it, guess how many people actually take the recommendation? Very few. And then we offered two services, mask optional, and none of you guys wore a mask. And, and that's fine. And so what we did is we challenged everybody and said, it's their choice. Anybody can make the decision that they want to make. But our staff, our volunteers, when we did that first service mask required, we required it. We said, we're going to do this in the, for, in, the, for, in the name of Jesus, you know, because uh, Paul said, be all things to all people, didn't he? So we, we've got to flex and just do whatever we need to do to serve people. Um, lower attendance across the country. Our church actually ranged about 60 to 70% once we came back of our uh, post-COVID-19 uh, numbers. Um, I think the larger churches had some of the biggest challenges because you can imagine a room of thousands of people just doesn't feel good when there's a pandemic going on. So we offered smaller services, more options. It was harder on our staff, 
harder on our volunteers. You guys did a, a great job. But the church is averaging 60 to 70% of our post-COVID-19 numbers in attendance, and we're uh, glad for that. There's about 244 families that uh, contribute financially to the church this last year. That equates to probably about 700 folks that call North Valley home. And on an average Sunday, it's 300 plus uh, of what's happening here right now on campus. Um, and our online has, has grown our church too for the influence. And so um, thank you to all of you uh, for doing that. I want to share with you a passage of scripture that I do think is incredibly important for believers about being together. Uh, the author of Hebrews says this, he says, let's consider how to spur, stir one another up uh, to love and good works, not neglecting meeting together as some are, uh, as some, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I think a couple things here in this passage that's important is that you and I need to gather. Uh, it's part of, uh, I think, part of our healing, part of our spiritual growth formation. There's something very powerful uh, when the, God's people are gathered together to worship the Lord. And it's very, very important. And I think what has happened is so many people are not gathering because they got so comfortable on the couch and now it's not a fear of COVID-19. Now it's just a comfort issue, a convenience issue. Or what has happened in churches across the country is when the online opportunities came out, you had more options. So if you don't like the teaching is good on about this preacher, then you can turn on the TV and watch this guy and you're like, oh, well, that sounds a little bit better and, and, and there you go. Um, we're always challenged as a church to gather, and we need encouragement. Why is that? When you show up on a Sunday morning, you may be a word of encouragement that somebody needed just to say, hi, how you doing? How are things going? And hopefully we're honest and real, and when it's not going so great, it'd be like, it have been better days, you know? Um, and so you uh, don't ever want to get out of the habit. Right now, there's so many Christians that are out of habit. They're, they're, the habit is gone. Sunday should be the Lord's day for you to worship and gather and learn and grow, serve the Lord, dedicate that day for the Lord. Um, so I want to encourage you to do that. That's always important as we see the day drawing near. You and I know that uh, the, uh, there are many signs of the times that Jesus will return. Uh, the, more and more today, I talk to folks and they say to me on a, con a continual basis, do you believe this is the, the, the time in which the Lord is to return? I say, well, it's definitely, it could happen at any moment. The rapture could happen at any moment. Uh, we don't know the day nor the hour, but there are many signs that are in place. And you and I as a church have a responsibility to build the church now. Um, and so these trends that are laying out uh, these are all signs of the time, and many people will give up and forsake give, meeting together, and you'll see in some of these trends some of the challenges uh, that churches are going to face. Lower attendance is just happening on a, a national uh, level, for sure. Um, some uh, churches uh, are, will experience the opposite, but they are the outlier. They're not the norm at all. Um, here's number four, trend troubling trend is a massive volunteer shortage. All across the country, churches are struggling with volunteers. Why is that? Because too many people got way too comfortable and said, you know what? I served for a long time. I think I'm going to take a break. 
Um, here's where they, we, the churches are feeling it the hardest, and this is the worst. This is the biggest bummer. The kids. Every kids ministry that I've talked to across the country, they said, we have the hardest time now getting volunteers for kids. Why? Because they say, well, that's a little super spreader down there. You know? Um, I get it. I know there's challenges. Um, but our kids need people. And we need men and women that'll serve our younger generation. We won't have North Valley uh, if we don't invest into the next generation. Uh, we can't live just for today. We have to always constantly think about how are we going to invest our time and our people uh, into the lives of others. Volunteer shortage uh, within kids' ministry. Uh, Paul says this to the church. I love this. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, uh, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Serving in kids might just be a living sacrifice. It's an act of worship. Watch this. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Serving is worship. When you serve, you're worshiping. People ask me, oh, Pastor Ryan, when do you get fed? You know, when do you, when do you, how do you grow? I'm like, I grow while I preach. I feel God's presence when I'm preaching. I feel God's presence when I'm serving other people. I do my own devotional, yes, that's unrelated to the message. I hang out with my wife on a front porch rocker uh, that we bought from Cracker Barrel, and we rock like a bunch of little old Southern folks on our front porch and read the Bible and pray, not related to the message, but your worship, my worship, deep worship, there's pain involved. Sacrifice isn't pleasant. Sacrifice is hard. And the pain that you and I need to deal with and, and sustain the pain for the glory of God as an act of worship is serving. It's laying down your life, your time, which many people would rather write a check, and that's why we saw more giving in churches. They'd rather write a check than to be involved. Not at North Valley. We can't do that for the future. Uh, we have a volunteer shortage in kids right now. We're part of that statistic. We don't shine in this area right now. This is a problem. Um, Paul said, I appeal to you with passion. By the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship, or which is your spiritual worship. And I love this, verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Here's what I'm saying to you is part of our service is a sacrifice which brings transformation and spiritual growth. Um, when I willingly accept pain into my life of the pain of parenting really good and being a great husband and serving my church, it's hard. There's things I have to give up in order to do it. And so uh, part of our uh, movement forward as a church is we got to say this time next year, we don't have a volunteer shortage. We have a surplus. And by the way, that's better for our church uh, because then you can take more money instead of paying staff to do it. You can take more money and put it right back into ministry and right back into missions. Smarter churches think about this. Hmm, what do we want? Do we want our people just to come and be served? Or do we want to engage our people and say, you're a part of the army. You're a part of the team. We want to help expand these ministries and these missions. And by you serving, you're helping reduce our overall expenses in advancing the kingdom so we can put more money into ministry, more money into missions. Let's do that. Before we get to this new year, let's start that. Amen?
All right, you said it, so now let's do it. There's a Connect card I want you to think about grabbing, and then uh, uh, I want you to grab it and check it out before you leave today, and then you could check it and then just drop it in the giving box or turn it in over with Kaylee at our Connect Corner. Number five, I would say there's an increased desire for community. This is cool. Uh, People want community. Uh, They're going to call it for their mental health that they need community. Oh, good. That's great. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. At North Valley, we've always said we believe in holistic discipleship, meaning the the, uh, physical, the emotional, the spiritual, the mental, all of it is connected. Um, You can't just try to treat one aspect of a person to see them grow. Uh, Community is part of, uh, it's good for mental health. Uh, suicide is on the rise. More and more young people are, have been isolated. This is the first time ever I've ever heard kids say, I want to go to school. Take me to school. Uh, why? Because they wired to be connected. Um, there's a resurgence, uh, a massive national global level of desire for community. And our community groups are filling up and we've seen them grow and we're excited for that. Um, additionally, churches that do, are doing a good job right now create um, a, what, I, what we call a community space. North Valley is unique in that when you walk out of this room, you actually have a massive community space. That uh, turf, uh, the Ramada, the cafe, the grill. Why do we do that? Community. We want people to connect with one another. We want the guests to be able to come in and be able to go, man, this is cool. This is different. Um, We put a lot of energy towards that, knowing this is part of the model. This is awesome. God is using uh, COVID-19 and a pandemic to help us reprogram, reform the church better. Uh, People need community. Um, Here's a passage of scripture Luke, the historian, described the early church, church's community by saying uh, what was happening. Um, day by day, they were tending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, and so on. Um, there's just an attitude of gratitude. This is a fun. There's food involved. And so at North Valley, this is what we do. It's now a part of our strategy. If you look back at uh, North Valley's history, we never offered the level of the cafe and the grill that we ever offered before, but we did it not. Uh, and just so you know, that is a major expense to the church it, um, because we don't charge anybody anything at this point in time. It is a donation only, and uh, it's several thousand, it's probably five or $6,000 a year to run that uh, just on the food and the water alone. But here's why we do that. Because we believe it's so important that church is far more than just coming and receiving information, but it's connecting with people for the sake of, and truth for transformation. And so um, we made that uh, shift and uh, we've done that. And we've seen this all across the country is there's more and more people that want uh, more community. Uh, Number six, this is a very interesting one, is tolerance uh, is greater than truth in today's churches. Um, more and more churches are um, uh, basically abandoning historical truths and doctrines for the sake of tolerance. And so this is not what we want to do. Uh, we're a church that's all about uh, being filled with grace and truth, 
And so you've had all sorts of fights over 2020 and this 2020 plus one, uh, as one of my friends had mentioned and and noted. Um, I mean, you'd had the Black Lives Matter movement, and I, I preached a message on that, and that, that seemed to scatter some folks from our church, unfortunately. Uh, but I just did a message called The Biblical Response to the Black Lives Matter Movement. Um, and what we did is we looked at the, the belief statements of BLM versus the Bible, and I said, you make your decisions. Um, You've got COVID-19 that's been very divisive on what you think about the virus. Then you've got the politics issue. And then you've got the uh, massive movement of the LGBTQ community going on. And so there's all sorts of division. And so what have churches done? They've said, well, let's just be more tolerant in all these areas. Uh, Let's just, basically, let's just pull back on being the church that we think we used to be and let's water it down. That's not what we're going to do. Um, uh, I would say, though, uh, with that is churches that are are going after LGBTQ community and all that stuff, and we have to be mindful of that. We run a wedding venue, Christian traditional weddings only. It opens us up potentially for lawsuits. Uh, But we decided, you know what, that's the first miracle Jesus did. He turned water into wine at a wedding. That's a uh, God-given institution for mankind. The church is to affirm that and celebrate that. We want to do that. Let's do that. However, what I'm seeing is, is that churches that go after the LGBT community to blast them, what I find frustrating is are, that's a sexual sin, but are they dealing with the cohabitation, the fornication, the sexual immorality in their church? And so uh, to me, it's all sexual sin. That's what the Bible says, so that's what I believe. And so churches today, they're struggling big time, and they're choosing tolerance over truth. Um, we need to be tolerant people but never at the expense of truth. Amen? So you need to know that, and you're going to have to grow. And so I'm going to do more messages on basically equipping you in your faith and how to respond intelligently, because I know the truth is being compromised on a wholesale level all across the country. Um, So we'll get more Bible strong. Uh, We'll encourage and challenge you, but you can't be a bigot and don't wear the North Valley name tag. You just can't do that. You've got to figure out how to be like Jesus, who is the perfect example of truth for us. Um, The Apostle John said this about Jesus. He says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, and glory as of the Son from the Father, full of grace, help me out, and truth. So you've got to be full of grace and full of truth. And this was one of my first messages in the Gospel of John. And I told you, before I had kind of heard the national trends that were going on in churches all across the country, I said, I really think that this is the model that we should have embraced far earlier, but is absolutely essential for church growth and impact for kingdom's sake. It's just model more grace and truth. And some of you tend towards grace, and some of you tend and trend towards truth. So... Who's all the truth, truth tellers? Raise your hand. Your big high truth tellers. Who's all the grace givers? Raise your hand. Okay? You better figure out how to be both. But you're always going to tend and trend towards one or the other, right? Uh, you're like, oh, that person is more gracious than I am. Yeah, but that person needs to learn from you. So it's, it's not either or. It's always 
both and when it comes to following what Jesus has to say, especially about grace and truth. And so that is something for you to consider. And look at this. Uh, this is also a sign of the time. Tolerance is greater than truth in today's time. We, we live in a post-truth culture, meaning you can talk about all the truth you want on everything from medical uh, to biblical. And guess what? People are like, eh, I don't care. That's true for you. That's not true for me. Um, so this is happening in the churches. Um, look at 2 Timothy 4.3. Uh, it says this. It says, uh, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. Are we there yet? Oh, yeah, we're there. Uh, We have done a number of membership meetings. At the end of it, they say, no, I can't do it. I'm out. I'm going to a universalist church. I'm going to a a, a different church that just doesn't teach that. And I'm like, teach what? Teach Bible? That's what we teach. We teach Bible. We are under the Bible, not over the Bible. Okay, so for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having uh, itching ears will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Ha ha, what did the uh, pandemic produce? An, a plethora of online options. So now you have people that are pretty sophisticated doing copy-paste Christianity on whatever they want, and finding teachers to suit their passions. They will turn away from listening to the, help me out, truth, and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded. Watch this. Endure suffering. Suffering is a part of your sanctification. If you're not going through uh, pain, you're probably not gaining. Um, Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. You say, what? Yes, do the work of an evangelist. We need evangelists in this church. Uh, Number seven, here's a a trend. Experience is greater than evangelism in today's churches. Uh, More people will put more money into programs, uh, uh, you know, smoke machines, lights, and uh, the best uh, 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 worship leader in skinny jeans, and, uh, you know, and their pastor's a lot more ripped than I am, and experiences everything, and it's at the expense of evangelism. That's not how we need to do the church. This is the trend. And uh, why is that? Because the pastors are afraid to challenge their people to speak up and to speak out, because we're too politically correct. So we don't want to offend anybody. I don't like that. I don't care what really happens moving forward, but I do know this. We're just gonna, we're gonna be deeply biblical, follow Jesus, reach a lot of people for Jesus Christ, equip believers to live out their faith and say, whatever happens, happens. That's what we're gonna do. I've kind of hit a resolve reality. Like, I don't, I don't care what happens in the future other than we're gonna be incredibly faithful, teach and preach the truth and live it out. And so whatever happens, happens. So experience is greater than evangelism. Jesus said this, and this is a challenge for you. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who's in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. That should be startling. Um, Is there grace in that? Yeah, Peter denied Jesus, and then Jesus reinstated him. Peter was shook up pretty hard. 
What does this mean? This means that basically you, you are a, a truth teller, a grace giver, and you need to speak up. This is part of your job. This is how the church grows. This is how people meet and know and follow Jesus. Um, he also said, Scripture, uh, the historian Luke said, or recorded Jesus saying this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. You're supposed to be a witness. You can't be a member of our church and then say, I don't want to be a witness. If you, if you do that, you're not doing what we've asked you to do. Members at this church see themselves as witnesses. What does a witness do? A witness just simply shares what they've seen God do. I'm going to say that again. What a witness does is simply shares what they've seen God do. Let's repeat that. Simply share what we've seen God do. So when you go to a police scene, the police show up, what did you see? You just tell them. Uh, when there's an accident or something, you just tell them. When you meet a friend at work, man, what's going on in your life? Man, let me tell you what I've seen God do in my marriage. Let me share with you what God's doing in my life. That's powerful. Nobody's going to argue with that. Um, somebody got on their Harley, they're riding out of here right now. I think I offended somebody. So what do we do? What do we need to do? I want you to take the three, two, one challenge. Here's the three, two, one challenge. I want to challenge you to invite three unchurched people to church every single month. The three, two, one challenge. So it becomes part of your process. I'm asking you to rewire, reform for the glory of God and the good of his church. So here's what you're going to do. Three times a month, you're just going to be like, hey, man. You a part of a church? No, I'm really not. Join us sometime if you'd like. Hey, they have a grill. You could, eat, you could go to second service and then eat a cheeseburger. You know, and, so I, and I'll talk to you about next week about my regret doing a donut double cheeseburger. <laughs> that thing put me down for about two weeks. So I'm going to talk about the body being a temple of God next week. And I'd say don't do that. But invite somebody to church three times a month. Why, you say, why three? I'm just saying because I'm challenging you to be at church more. I'm challenging you to let this be your church so that if I got, God forbid, hit by a Mack truck on the way out of here, this church would just continue to thrive because the power is not in the pulpit simply. It's in the people. And so uh, that's my message. I believe God has given me to give to you that you need to take this seriously. If you love Jesus Christ and you love his church, I'm challenging you. Uh, I think the two greatest markers of Christian maturity in today's time is do they give financially and do they open their mouth and share about Jesus? Because if you open your mouth and share about Jesus, then you're actually, you're opening yourself up to all sorts of offense and criticism and all that. That's, that's brave. But if you, and if you give your money, you're prioritizing what you really care about. Those are the two greatest markers in my book. Um, secondly, I want to challenge you is to be here for two, two. Be here for two. Serve one, attend one. These are, this, this challenge is for anybody that says, I want to invest into the church. I want to be a part of expanding the kingdom of God. Uh, I want to be that living stone centered around the cornerstone, Jesus Christ. Be here for two, serve one, attend one. Why do we say that? I'll tell you why we say that. Because you can't do the greatest job serving 
if you're trying to serve and worship. Like, to me, you're split. Do you, are you worshiping? Is this for you? Or that you're paying attention to all the lyrics and the message and all that? Or are you paying attention to the people? Serve one, attend one. If our church did that, we would revolutionize and make a far greater impact. I want you to think about Sunday as the Lord's Day. Uh, when you're here, go, I serve the first service, I attend the second. You invite your friends, not on the service that, you would, that you're serving. Hey, good to see you, I'm busy. Find a seat over there. I'm so busy, good to see you. They're never coming back. But if you say, man, I just got done serving, great to see you, um, let's, let's go worship together. I'll help you check in your kids and then let's go walk over to the, the chapel together. Uh, I wanna challenge you to do that uh, number one, so three, two, one. So be here for two. Number one is give a one-time gift for our campus development. This is important now because uh, I don't want us to get into a habit at this church that we have, say, I don't know what the percentage is, but say we had 70% of you weren't involved in any of the financial investment in that project. You have no ownership. You don't care. Um, that's a problem. Um, my wife and I always put skin in the game on anything and everything we ask you to do. We try to do it just the same or higher. And we've always done that. And we always will do that. Um, give a one-time gift for our campus development. If you've been around for a little while and you say, I love this church, don't let us finish that building without you putting some skin in the game. Let's finish that up and say, I was a part of that. I'm a part of the Living Stone team. And uh, one day, what I want to do is we, we're trying to build a, a gabion fence, uh, a, sto- a wall up there, which we don't have it in the budget. We want to put a bunch of turf out for the kids, which is not in the budget. And we're talking about $100,000 plus. And my prayer is like, Lord, if I, if I just communicate this to the church, maybe, maybe, maybe people will respond uh, and we can do more. Uh, on that, that, that fence, I want to tell you what I want to do. We have all these beautiful stones around here. We're living stones. That's what the Bible tells us. We're living stones. Uh, I want us to grab one of these river stones, write a Bible verse on the bottom of it, and then put it into that fencing, and then we'll uh, weld it shut, and then that'll be part of our, our experience. When people drive in, they'll see this stone uh, fence there. And then you will know, I was a part of that. My rock is in there. My Bible verse is in there. That's what I'm praying for this church. And so I want that to happen. Um, I hope the Lord does too. I think it's a good uh, desire. And I ask that you'd pray with me and consider doing that so we can do that together in the future. Amen? All right, I took too much time. We're gonna skip the giving part. Look at that. All right. And so if you've already given, thank you for doing that. And I'm gonna pray and invite the worship team up. Heavenly Father, thank you for your church I love these uh, men and women and the families that have called this home. Uh, I'm grateful and honored and humbled. You'd have me be a a voice uh, among them and with them for your glory and our good. We pray for blessing and protection uh, against all schemes from the devil and that you'd strengthen your church for the glory of God in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give today at northvalleychurch.org.